So today, I'm getting way ahead of myself because something is missing. Nope, there it is. So today we're going to continue on where we started a couple of months ago. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Jesus says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only, keyword, those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We perform miracles in your name. And I'll reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Interestingly enough, coming up in this Sermon on the Mount we've been going through is a little discussion about worry. It's like next week or the week after, but I think this week may be a, an important week to look a little ahead about not worrying about tomorrow because of what you need to deal with today, okay? So as our society tries to put that worry back on us, this is going to be a time to dig into what Jesus is talking about. Where is your faith? Is your faith in medicine and a vaccine and a person in your government, or is your faith in Jesus Christ? And I didn't say one time that medicine wasn't good. I didn't say one time your government doesn't, doesn't do some good. Okay? So let's be clear on that. But that's not the context of this. The context of this is, does Jesus know you? Does Jesus know you? We spend so much time, and I know I've said it a hundred times, and I'm going to keep saying it. We spend so much time with, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Does Jesus know you? Anybody remember what we discussed two weeks ago? No. <laughs> good try. That's good. Jesus said, do good deeds and give to people. But what, it, what, what else did he say? Do it with the right heart. When you give, when you do good deeds, don't do it with the intent of everyone seeing it. Remember, we balanced that with Matthew 5. Matthew 5 says, do your good deeds publicly for all to see so God gets credit. But in Matthew 6, he says, don't do your good deeds to be seen. There is a small difference there. It's not a contradictory statement. Do your good deeds. God will put the right people in place to see those good deeds, you give God credit. Don't do the good deed because you want to show off in front of somebody. Because you want, he says, the only reward you get, right? Okay, if you miss that, well, he also talked about money. Don't be going around telling who you gave money to. Give, but don't let your right hand know what the left hand's doing. Both of these are really about your heart. He didn't say if you give, if you do good deeds, when you do them. So he's already assuming you understand you're supposed to do them. Do it with the right heart, not bringing a bunch of attention to yourself. Okay, if you missed it, please go back and watch it. When we dig into the next set of Scripture in chapter 6, Jesus jumps into how to pray and how to fast. But it's the same theme. Before we go there, though, I'm going to ask you a question. How many people in this room, don't raise your hand, just kind of raise it in your heart. How many of these people, in, how many people in here can see yourself a prayer warrior? How many of you will just jump up on a whim and pray in public because you're so comfortable? 
How many of you are scared to death that I'm going to call on you to pray at some point? This is the time. I'm not asking for hands. Time to be honest with yourself. So my question is, what keeps you from praying more? Maybe I should ask the question, how many of you are praying at home? What keeps you from praying more? Do you feel like you don't know how to pray? Do you feel like your prayer is not as good as someone else's because you see someone get up and give this eloquent, long prayer? See, I think our enemy's goal is to keep us from praying. He does not want us to fight spiritual warfare. He wants us to cave and go sit down and rely on other people to fight the battle for us. So if he can convince you that something as simple as praying, that, oh, you don't know how to pray, you don't know the right words to say, you don't have a long enough prayer, you don't pray as good as Jason or Wendy or Lonnie or so-and-so, that's his goal, right? Because he wants to destroy you. Here's the good news. Jesus shows up in the coolest sermon in history and says, I'm going to tell you how to pray, and it's super easy. Okay? So not only is Jesus giving us a blueprint of how to be known by him, he's given us a blueprint in the scripture on how to pray. The thing about praying is it's kind of like a lot of other things in our walk with Jesus. We build it up to be something that's so difficult, we end up talking ourselves out of doing it. When really, if we just do it, we end up going, well, that wasn't as bad as I thought. I'll have people come to me in counseling, and I'll ask them to pray about something when they get home or to pray over their child, and they're like, well, I can't pray over my child. I don't know how to pray. You don't know how to pray. Have you ever prayed out loud? No, I've never prayed out loud. Okay, say these words. God, God, thank you for today. Thank you for today. Amen. Amen. Congratulations. You just prayed out loud. And you know what they say? I just, this is not a joke. I do the same one every time. You know what they say every time? Whew, that wasn't so bad. I'm sweating. That wasn't so bad. But that's what Satan does. He gets us all worked up that we don't know how to do something when it's really not as hard. But when Jesus starts to talk about prayer, it's kind of like he's talked about with good deeds and giving to others. He doesn't say if you pray. He says when you pray. So I'm going to start out in verse 5 of Matthew chapter 6. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. In other words, don't, don't be like all those people that are out there for the show. I'm going to pray out here in public so everybody can see me and see how good of a prayer warrior I am. I tell you the truth, that's all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you. And pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. It's the same theme as before. When you do good deeds, when you give, when you pray. So I expect you to do it. But what's your purpose when you do it? What's your motive? Is your purpose to go talk to your father and tell him what you need to have a relationship with him? Or is your purpose to make everybody think you're awesome at what you're doing? Don't stand in public. Don't bring attention to yourself. And you're starting to get a picture here of what the religious leaders of the time must have looked like. They were doing a lot of good things in public, it sounds like. They were doing a lot of good deeds. They were giving to people. So they were doing good stuff. You ever hear people say, I don't think he believes in Jesus, but he's a really good person. Yeah. Jesus expects more. 
See, there's lots of people out there that are good, and they'll show you how good they are, and they do a lot of good things in public. Now, if they're doing it in public for the right reason, we already learned in Matthew 5, that's good because God's going to get glory. But if they're out there in public, which apparently these religious leaders were not doing it with the right intention because Jesus is hammering them, don't do it with the wrong intentions. So you got these religious leaders they're out there in public. They're doing good things, but they're doing it for show. They're doing it for the attention. They're doing it for their, um, wherever they are. Their, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm struggling with words this morning. Their position, their control, their authority. And Jesus says, don't do it for the attention. Don't do it to look good. Pray because you want to connect. You want to talk to the creator of the world. I created that path. I'm going to die for you, and I'm going to create that path through the Holy Spirit, where you can talk to your Father. Talk to your Father because you want to talk to Him, not because you want everybody to think you're a good prayer. Then Jesus says, you worried about what not to say? You worried about what you're going to say? You worried about not sounding good, eloquent? I got your solution, guys. Go do it private where no one hears you. Go do it by yourself so you don't have to worry about what everybody else thinks about you. Get by yourself. Shut the door. Talk to your Father in heaven. You will be rewarded. Quit trying to do it like everyone else. This is part of that stay in your lane. Wendy is a prayer warrior. Do you know how many years I didn't pray and wouldn't pray out loud because I was intimidated by the way she prays? Never mind that 20 years before me, she was in there with the door shut by herself talking to God and getting used to it and developing that gift. I'm over here seeing her going 90 miles an hour down the fast lane going, I can't keep up. So I'll just pull off here at the rest area and sit. I think Jesus is pointing out the religious leaders of that time did a lot for show. They didn't have the right heart. But is it any different than today? be honest how many people do you know that do good deeds in public for the wrong reason how many people do you know that give and give generously for the wrong reasons how many people do you know that pray pray over you in a heartbeat but they do it for the wrong reasons and you realize that none of these people are doing it for the right reason they're not taking care of the own things in their lives almost guarantee you that through this discussion you're thinking about somebody right now Maybe it's a pastor. Maybe it's a church leader. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a spouse. Quit worrying about them. Jesus is talking to you, okay? Quit worrying about what they're doing wrong. Hear this from what you need to do right. We got to quit listening to sermons and scripture and thinking about how it applies to everyone else. And we got to start listening to this and going, how does this apply to me? As I got ready for this, I had to look inward and say, when I pray, am I doing it with the right heart? Or am I doing it because I'm trying to keep up with Wendy or Lonnie or John or somebody else? I'd love to tell you it's 100% with the right heart, but I don't think that's true. And I think if we all look inward, we've all got these areas we've got to work on. So listen to Jesus' words from how did I fix me, change me, not fix me, but change me. How do I change how I look at it, not how my husband needs to change or my wife needs to change or my boss needs to change, et cetera, et cetera, okay? 
my purpose here is telling you that Jesus was talking about something that was going on 2,000 years ago that's exactly the same that we deal with today. It may look a little different because now it happens over YouTube, not on the street corner, or Vimeo, or whatever flavor of the day for video. I think Jesus knew that there were prideful men then and women, and they would continue to do things for the wrong reasons for 2,000 years, and he's trying to teach us we've got to do things for the right reasons. <laughs> and quit doing what your pastor told you to do. Read the book and do what Jesus told you to do. Don't do this because I stood up here and said do it or because some other pastor you listened to this week says do it. Do it because you read the book and these are in red letters. That's important. It means do it. Okay? Verse 7, he says, when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. You ever hear people pray that babble on and on? They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. So, how many of you are worried that your prayers are not long enough when you pray? How many of you were taught, how many of you were taught that you need to have a quiet time every morning with God and pray for 30 minutes? I'm just testing out how many people grew up in a denomination I've been a part of. And then you got alone for 30 minutes with God, and you prayed, you started, but then the next thing you know, you planned out the day or the week, or you fell asleep because you got up early to do it. But the reality is, Jesus just said, don't babble on and on. I'm going to give you a blueprint in a minute of exactly what it needs to look like, don't just say words to say words. Say meaningful things. So if you're worried you don't know how long to pray or how to pray a long prayer, you ought to be a little relieved this morning because <laughs> Jesus sort of said, get to the point. I'm going to put it in today's words. Get to the point when you pray. Your, your prayers are not answered by repeating your words over and over. Now, there is Scripture that talks about asking repeatedly, but I think Jesus is talking about in this prayer right now. Ask for what you need. Move on. Come back and ask for that again if you need to. But he's talking about rambling on and on in the same prayer. Ask God what you need. Keep it simple. Keep it short. But I think our world, run by Satan, and some of our religious leaders says babble on and on because it'll make you feel like I know more than you and you will come to me when you have a need instead of going to Jesus. And if there's anything I can teach you is don't come to me, go to the red letters. Go to what he says. Jesus says, get alone, shut the door, get to the point. Don't babble on and on. But I still don't know what to say when I get in private. Awesome, he tells us in verse 9. Pray like this, our Father in heaven. I'm doing this in the NLT, not King James. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And do not let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Then he goes on in verse 14. He says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. 
All right, who's got a timer? You got a phone? I need a timer. Somebody give me a timer. Holler when you're ready to hit start. You ready? You ready to hit start? Start. Tell me, give me a thumbs up when you hit start. All right. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Hit stop. How long was it? 19 seconds. Jesus said, here's how you pray. 19 seconds. You worried now you can't pray too long? You don't know what to say? He's giving you the blueprints right here, and it took us 20 seconds to do it. That's all he asked for. Get alone in private. Shut the door. Talk to your God for 19 seconds. You can flip through Facebook for 19 minutes without even thinking about it. Can you get alone and say this prayer for 19 seconds? Some of us, the first thing we do when we get up, me included, is grab our phone and look at it and start chasing red numbers of things we need to read in Facebook, Twitter, whatever. But can you spend 19 seconds alone saying these words? 19 seconds. Jesus gave us the blueprint. He gave us the template of how to pray. So I want everybody to get out something to write on or your phone because I know you got one of the two. Because I'm going to be blunt with you. You got no more excuses after today. If you walk out of here today and you don't know how to pray and what to say and how long it should take, I didn't fail. I'm looking around. Nobody's asleep. If you were zoned out, hopefully I've got your attention now. I want you to write down Matthew 6, 9 through 13. I'm not trying to be harsh, but Jesus gave us the blueprint. Now you got to do something with it. If I ask you to pray at a minimum from this point forward, you should be able to pull out what you just wrote on to, look up in your little fancy phone Bible, and read Matthew 6, 9 through 13, and, and say those words, right? Anybody disagree? Okay, good deal. Anybody know how many verses there are in the Bible? 31,102. 31,102 verses in the Bible, and Jesus, Jesus says, talk to God in these four. Quit letting the world and Satan tell you you don't know how to pray. You don't know what to say. He gave it to us in four verses, and for some reason that's too simple for us. How many of you in here are introverted? <laughs> this will be fun. Raise your hand if you're introverted. <laughs> Come on, Justin. <laughs> you don't like to talk to people if you're introverted, right? When you do talk, you want to keep it short and simple and sweet and to the point. So you guys ought to be really good at this prayer. And then some of us that talk too dang much, like me, may need to slow it down a little bit and focus on what we're praying instead of how much we're praying. Does that make sense? He's given us the blueprint, guys. 
Recognize where your creator lives and his importance. God, you are in heaven. Your name is holy. We spent time this morning just telling him through our words and through worship that you are holy. You are holy. You are holy. You don't have to get this perfect, guys. He's giving you the blueprint. God, you're in heaven and you're holy. What if you get stuck on that word alone for 19 seconds? That's all you say to him. Most of us go to prayer because we want something. God, I need you to correct this person's action. God, I need you to give me this, a spouse, a boyfriend, girlfriend, some money, a new job, house, a car. Jesus says, start out by telling God how awesome he is. I'll put it in today's words. You're holy, Lord. You are awesome. You're great. Plug in your words. May your kingdom come soon. God's intent and desire and promise is his kingdom will come to this earth. And you're saying, God, send it soon. And we ought to be praying that prayer right now more than ever. God, send your kingdom soon. I'm so sick of all this stuff. I don't want to die, but I'm ready for heaven. I'm ready for your kingdom to come reside on this earth and kick all this evil off. And that's what you're saying. God, you're holy. You're in heaven. Please let your kingdom come to earth and let it come soon. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Too many of us think we got to trudge through hell on earth to get to heaven one day. And the promises of God is that we can have it on earth. Peace, gentleness, self-control, all these fruits of the Spirit we're supposed to have on earth. But if we only focus on how bad the earth is and how evil it is, that's what we're feeding. That's what we're going to think about. But he's saying, God, tell God, let your will be done on the earth. And often I'll say, and help me know what I'm supposed to do to be a part of it. After all that, now we can ask him for what we need. What do I need to sustain today? Give us the food we need. See, food was their daily need. That was their biggest daily need. We got so many more needs today. So let this be the place you ask God for what your need is to sustain today. Not your new $100,000 Ford F-350 pickup truck. Not the big new house. But maybe this is a place where I say, God, I really need to get out of this job I'm in. Will you? I saw some head shakes. Will you give me... Give me this new job. Steer me. But see, you're already asking for his will to be done before you ask for the give. You see the importance of that? I submit to your will. I want your will to be done. I want something. I need something. But I'm going to trust because you are the creator and you're holy, because you are in charge of the kingdom of heaven, because your will will be done, that I can ask. And if you give it to me, it was your will. And if you don't, it was not your will. Does that make sense? (laughs) no selfish needs here in the daily need (laughs) i heard somebody one time say if you pray and ask for something will it help someone other than you god give me a new car that'll help my family right (laughs) no 
God, help me to build disciples for the kingdom of God. What I'm asking for has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with him. It has everything to do with other people's lives being better. So what are you asking for? That's a little side note. God, please forgive me my sins and help me to forgive those that hurt me. There's a critical little scripture there in verse 14 that we tend to want to gloss over. Anybody in here ever said the words or heard the words? Don't raise your hand. I can't forgive that person. They hurt me too bad. Verse 14, if you forgive those who sin against you, your father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. That's pretty black and white. You do this, you get this. You forgive, you get forgiven. You don't forgive, you don't get forgiven. So you better be taking this part seriously about forgiving those that hurt you as you ask for forgiveness for yourself. Help me to resist temptation. Temptations are going to be there every day. Every day. This morning I woke up, I was tired. I was irritable. I feel like I got a sinus infection coming on, and I wanted to give up. That's called temptation. And I went, wow, I've got this blueprint of this prayer. I'm going to pray this simple prayer this morning. And when I got to this resist the temptation part, I stayed there for a minute. And then I said, and protect me from the evil one because he's the one putting the temptation there. We're going to have temptations. We're asking God Help me to resist the temptations and protect me from the evil one in his kingdom that's fighting against your kingdom. Your kingdom's better, stronger. You're still recognizing how holy God is, by the way, when you talk about this evil one down here. Scripture tells us the earth is his. That's why we need heaven to come to earth. That's why we need God's will to be done on earth. It's our job to fight the enemy. Yeah, I'll tell him he's holy. I'll ask for some stuff. I'll ask for forgiveness for me, but I can't really forgive other people. Man, I just can't resist this temptation. It's a blueprint. Follow it. Get alone and do it. And what happens, even if you're introverted, when you get to talk to people and you get to know someone, you slowly get to know them, you get more comfortable talking to them. And maybe God's going to be the same way. you got to get in there and do a 19-second prayer with a door shut where no one can hear you and do it enough that maybe it's five years from now, ten years from now, two months from now, you're like, man, I talk to God all the time, and it's just super easy now. Because I don't limit it to when I'm behind closed doors, but I don't do it out in public for everyone to see, but I do it when I'm driving down the road. I do it under my breath a lot when y'all talk. I'm not walking around the streets of Knoxville going, Lord, have your will be done in Knoxville over these evil people. But you see that happen. And those people are called freaks. And they drive people away from the kingdom of God. Maybe that shut your door private is you standing there walking and you're doing it in your head. I don't think we got to just limit it to that prayer closet, but Jesus is saying go there and start, I think. Now you know how to pray. You may not accept that it's that easy. You may not have listened very well, but now you know how if you listened. <laughs> if you want to know more about prayer, go to our YouTube page and search, search for two videos on prayer 
from February 9th, 2020, and February 16th, 2020. It's very much expounded upon this because there's other cool things packed in there that don't really fit in the context of where we're going with this Jesus know me thing where when you talk to your father in heaven, you're calling him Abba, Daddy. Something special, Daddy. Like a little boy or girl going, Daddy, Daddy. Not Father. But here's what scares me. Some of us don't know this prayer, and some of us do, but we say it like, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. You know what I'm going there? We memorize it, but do we stop as we're saying it and go, what am I doing? Am I declaring that my God is holy? Hallowed means holy. It's old world English we don't use. Use the word holy. Don't use the word hallowed unless you know what it means. Okay? <laughs> huh? <laughs> as long as she knows what it means. And I do too sometimes. Hallowed be their name. But then I followed up and reminded myself, it means you're holy. It means you're set apart. It means you're different than everything else in the world, Father. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying I grew up in a church that we repeated it out loud every Sunday. And I learned to memorize it to get through that portion to get to lunch. Kaylee, I'm sorry. I'm probably going into your sister's lunch time today. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we'll do that. My point is don't memorize something. Understand it. And if you forget this, go back to Matthew 6, 9 through 13, because you wrote it down. It takes you 19 seconds to say it. Don't worry. The second part, fasting, is a lot faster than the prayer part. Fasting, is it something you do? Is it something you even know what it means? Is it something you've been taught about? Is it something you hear about others doing, but you have no clue how to do it, or you just don't do it? And again, Jesus, when he talks about fasting, he says, when you fast, not if, don't do it for attention. That's our theme. Verse 16, and when you fast, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. So to fast means to take something away that you really like. That's my simple definition. If I'm putting something before God, I need to take that away to put God first. Or maybe I just need to take something that's super comfortable out of my life, like coffee. So that when my head hurts all the time because I'm not drinking 17 cups of coffee, I think about God. Not in the pain. It just reminds me I should pray right now. And I've told you guys this before when we've talked about fasting. Fasting is a whole sermon in and of itself. The first time I fasted, I went all in. All right, I've never been taught about this before. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do a complete fast. I'm going to do nothing but water for three days. Within 12 hours of making that decision, I was in the bed with the covers over my head saying, God, please take me home now. Death has got to be better than this feeling. i just thrown up water in the flower bed because I drank way too much water and let Wendy drive me around, let the boy stop and get Taco Bell. That combination will make you throw up all of your water like a water fountain, and put you in the bed praying to Jesus. One of the most special things that ever happened to me came the next day. 
I laugh about it. I joke about it. It's a funny story, but God spoke to me. Fasting is important. You don't have to do it as hard as I did it that day. (laughs) Talk to me. Don't drink too much water. Your body's not ready for it. says, when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face. That's not so much for us, but I don't know if you know this. If you know people that fasted, sometimes I like to tell you, hey, I'm fasting. <laughs> I know you're eating that cheeseburger right now, but I'm fasting meat, so you just enjoy your cheeseburger. I'll sit over here and torture and eat my salad. What are they doing? They're bragging about what they're doing. Jesus says, don't do that. Comb your hair, wash your face. See, back in that time, they threw ashes over their head. They wore burlap and ripped it, and that's how they fasted. And they walked out in public, oh, I'm fasting. I'm miserable. For us, it's more about complaining. He says, then no one will notice you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private, and your father who sees everything will reward you. Pray in private, fast in private. Quit bragging about it. You know, the Bible doesn't really define how often we should fast, but Jesus says when you do it. So if you've never done it, let's talk. Let's get you on a plan. Let's fast. We don't do a church-wide fast because I don't want to push people of when they need to fast. I want you to know from God that God said it's time for you to fast. Maybe you got an important job decision. Maybe you're trying to figure out whether to homeschool your kids or leave them in school. Maybe you're trying to find a spouse or make a decision there, a boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. It's a major decision in your life. Great time to fast. Because now you're dedicating that time of asking that to making sure you're remembering and talking to God. I'm going to give you two biblical examples of fasting, and then we'll be done. Daniel. Daniel's got a crazy cool story, right? Daniel lines in, interpreted all these dreams, but he fasted. Daniel 1 starts out with him fasting. Nebuchadnezzar had conquered the land, taken all the Israelites hostage, And all of a sudden, he takes these four Israelites, Daniel. Anybody remember the other three? If you listen to Veggie Tales, I'll give you a hint. Rakshak and Benny. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They had favor on them. Daniel goes to the king's person who prepares food and says, I don't want to defile myself by eating your meat and by drinking your wine. Can I go 10 days and not eat what everyone else eats? Because these men, Daniel and, and Rakshak and Benny, had found favor with God. If you never watch Veggie Tales, you should go watch that episode. <laughs> Daniel and these three men had found favor, not look out, with King Nebuchadnezzar, so they got to eat with the king's men. And Daniel said, but I don't want to. I could, and that would be awesome. But I want to make a sacrifice. I don't want to defile myself in front of my God with your food. Can I go 10 days? At the end of 10 days, the four men were healthier than the king's men. And they were allowed to continue. And God rewarded them. God gave these four men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. 
And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meaning of visions and dreams. So you want to stand and tell me you read Scripture and you get nothing out of it? Maybe you need to fast a little bit. Maybe God will start giving you some unique insights. Maybe you're praying over a big thing in your life? Fast. Maybe God will show you something because he's honoring you. Later at the end of Daniel, so Daniel starts out with fasting and ends with fasting. Chapters 10, 11, and 12, Daniel fasts for 21 days. He's asking for something for 21 days. And God rewards him at the end of 21 days, not two, not three, not four. 21 days. What if he had quit on day 19? When he got the vision, it was an angel of the Lord gave him the vision. The angel said, I was dispatched from heaven 21 days ago, but I got caught up fighting the prince of Persia. Oh, yeah, that's where the spiritual warfare battle becomes real. And I had to have an archangel Michael come fight off the prince of Persia to get to you. But because you kept fasting, I kept fighting for you. Do you understand that? Because Daniel kept fasting, the angel kept fighting. And when he said, I can't get past it, come on, Michael. Come help me so I can get to this man because he's fasting and God wants him to hear from me. Do you understand how important that is? I never hear from God. Maybe you need to fast from God. Fast God, not fast from, fast for God. Maybe you need to fast from something that's separating you from God. Again, we can teach a whole lot on fasting. But my point of today is Jesus says, you want to be known by me? Get by yourself and talk to your daddy. You want to be known by me? Fast and don't brag about it. I'm going to challenge you guys today. If you pray regularly, praise the Lord. Keep doing it. If you do not, start with this 19-second prayer today when you go home. And there's a lot of parents in this room. Raise your hand if you're a parent. Here's your challenge. Bring your child into that prayer closet with you today and say that 19-second prayer and start teaching them. Do you want them to learn to memorize it like I did so it doesn't mean a whole lot in life, or do you want to teach it to them because you're their first disciple maker? So if you walked in here today and you thought, I'm not equipped to pray, I don't know what fasting is, I certainly can't teach my child anything, I need the pastor to do that, you're walking out of here today knowing how to pray, how to fast, or the importance of fasting, and you've got a challenge of something super simple to do with your child. Okay? That's your challenge. I'm going to pray. Father, thank you for an opportunity to stand up here and preach Jesus' words today. Not my words, Jesus' words. It's, I can't make it any easier than the way Jesus said it. When you pray, here's what you say. Thank you that he gave us such a simple blueprint, and I bind up any lies from the enemy that make us think we can't do it. Father, help us to take these words seriously. Anything we've talked about today, if we don't know where our lane is, let's ask each other for help. If we're still not comfortable praying or don't know what to do to fast, what to give up, for how long, help us to have the courage to talk to each other. Father, we thank you. Again, we get to come and we get to praise you. We get to lift you up. We get to teach about you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have an awesome week.